Swing and a line drive, left field, Ben Intendi coming on, dives, and did he make the catch? He did! He got it! Here we go. It's time to party. Right here. 3-2. High drive! He crushed it! It's a grand slam! Swing and a miss, frankly, it's over! Welcome to Benny and the Bets Podcast. Can you believe it? Here's your host, Terry Cushman. For baseball fans across Red Sox Nation, MLB fans from around the league, and the Yankees fans who can't get enough of hating us, welcome to another episode of the Benny and the Bets podcast covering the Boston Red Sox. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and literally every single platform imaginable. We are downloaded in over 30 countries across the planet, according to PodTrack.com. Red Sox just wrapped up a two-game set against the Tampa Bay Rays, splitting the series one game to one. News from Fenway. Relievers Josh Taylor and Darwinson Hernandez are progressing really quickly in Pawtucket and could join the Red Sox next week. Third base coach Carlos Febles has returned to the team after a negative test for COVID-19. News from around the league. The Karma train has arrived in Houston. Closer Roberto Osuna is set to undergo Tommy John surgery due to a torn UCL. Also, their top pitching prospect, Forrest Whitley, who was said to be nearly Major League ready, is also scheduled to have an examination on his throwing arm. Max Scherzer left tonight's game against the Mets in the first inning. No word on the nature of his injury. If the Marlins can hold the lead right now in the seventh inning, they will be atop the NL East. Five wins, one loss. And, of course, they're on top due to percentage points. Once again, I am Terry Cushman, and I'm joined tonight from Saugus, Massachusetts, Al Nahigian. Al, how are you? I'm well, Terry. Good to be a part of the weekday crew for a little bit of a change, a little bit of a curveball, if you will. Yeah, a little bit for the next couple of weeks, so uh, it's good to have you. It seems like we have a good alignment of hosts no matter what way we go, despite my snide comment in the uh, DMs about 20 minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, you're kind of a jerk for that, but that's okay. Yeah, it's okay. I... I Send it out, and I'm like, ooh, I got to fix that. But, uh, yeah, also joining us tonight from the mile-high city of Denver by way of Quincy, Massachusetts, Andrew Dwan. Andrew, how are you? Doing great. Happy talks and ball. Yeah, absolutely. And we're not. there's not going to be much COVID talk tonight, but, you know, what a different outlook compared to last Friday because we're thinking, oh, my God, they're going to cancel it. Manfred's making threats. And then, you know, two days from now, we're going to have all 30 major league teams playing in a major league game. The Cardinals have just had their second straight day with no positive tests, so... It's been a roller coaster, but I think things are trending the right way as far as that goes. 
yeah, it's definitely looking good. I mean, the Marlins came back stronger than ever, so I don't know. Maybe the Red Sox should go party in Atlanta for a couple nights and <laughs> see if they can turn things around. The Marlins taking the lead in the NL East is the most 2020 statement I think I've ever heard of. Absolutely, and I think the Orioles were second place in the AL East coming into today, so um, definitely a good year for bad teams, but I think 60 games, or roughly 60 games, I should say, is a big enough sample size for the you know the better teams to kind of rise to the top. Agreed. Yeah, well, so we'll see what happens. All right, so getting into this Red Sox-Tampa series, which ended uh, mercifully on a good note. Um, we'll just kind of get into that with studs and duds, formerly known as heroes and zeros. So, Al, we'll uh, put you in the leadoff spot tonight. Who was your stud for the series? Jeez, I'm in the leadoff hole. That's the first and last time I'll ever hear that in my life. Uh, stud for this, this series, you have to go with the starting pitcher tonight, Martin Perez. Five shutout innings, four strikeouts, four hits. Had three walks, which was a little, I don't want to say alarming, but maybe a little too much for five innings. But regardless, did the job tonight, worked himself out of jams, had that nice sinker-cutter combo that he was working on. So he put the Red Sox in a position to win and ultimately led to a Red Sox win, which we haven't seen much of so far this year, so... Martin Perez, you're the hero and stud for tonight. Very good. Uh, Andrew, thoughts on Perez? Yeah, he's literally giving you everything you could have asked for and more at this point. He's been pretty solid outside of a little shaky opener. Um, But other than that, he's been pretty much as advertised. He's really kind of almost been the second ace on the team, as bad as that sounds. But yeah, he's... Great outing tonight, and as long as he keeps this up, he's going to be more than formidable. It was kind of, you know, he walked the tightrope for sure, you know, by letting the lead runners on, you know, at the start of the first few innings, but seemed to settle down, got some double plays, and and has been pleasantly a surprise. And this Tampa team can give anybody hell. I feel like they're scrappy and and I think they know they're the little guys and I think they embrace that and, and thrive on it and and um, but Perez was definitely solid tonight for sure. Um, yeah, go ahead, Andrew. You're uh, your hero for the series. Um, so I don't know. I kind of had a tough time. I thought it was a little hard to decide. But I went with Evaldi. I thought he pitched really well yesterday. Uh, a lot better than his stat line's going to show. He got really screwed in that inning where he got uh, really squeezed on a what should have been a called strike three. And then the fun house that is uh, Tampa, which I don't know if anyone's been down there, it's an absolute dump. Um, it, the ball hitting the ring and then Devers not being able to field it, which absolutely was not his fault. And then, you know, they kind of rack a few hits together and next thing you know he's got four earned runs under his uh, belt there so i thought he pitched a lot better i thought his stat line could have been clean i think he could have just went those five innings with zero earned and we would have been like wow you know another great start out of valdi with it but yeah his uh his era took a little bit of an uh, undeserved hit yesterday in my opinion 
You don't think the that the I don't know last inning or so or, or, or his last two innings. I mean, it just seemed like I, I think part of that was the order simply coming through the next time around and just putting the bat on the ball, even if they're following it off. I, it just seemed like he he wasn't quite. As yeah, sharp. they were. I I, I I get what you're saying. They were definitely catching up to him, but I, I still feel like he deserved to get out of it a lot cleaner than he did. Yeah, I mean, if that inning goes a little bit better, then, I mean, maybe we're not looking at, you know, giving up a total of four runs. But I just, I don't know. He He's not, he's definitely not dudworthy. I'm not, I'm not saying that. Because we did get unlucky in a lot of ways, and and the offense just fell flat until the last inning. But you know we'll get to that in a minute. Um, but I don't know. I just I just feel like a lot of people are waiting for Evoldi to kind of kick it up for a notch. But I think this is who he is, and I think he's. Oh, this is a, yeah. I agree. This is who I don't. I don't really expect much more. He's never been a giant strikeout guy. Even though, you know, you just watch them throw, you'd be like, oh, my God, he's throwing 100. Like, what does he average, like 215Ks a year? But that that's just not who he is. Right. So if we keep getting what we've seen over the first three starts, I, I mean, I'm going to be happy. Obviously, it's still an overpay, but I'll, I'll be fine with that production coming from him. I kind of said in the pre show when we were getting organized that I, I you know I, I don't want to spend too much time on juice baseballs tonight but I think for a guy like Evoldi that kind of affects him because he can't a lot of these guys like Evoldi can't pitch to contact because what would be a fly ball close to the warning track is now going over the fence so I think mm-hmm. it I think it messes with with those guys a lot and is going to make them susceptible to giving up more runs. And it's just one of the frustrating aspects of, of having these baseballs in here and where it's going to be a short season. Manfred doesn't have to worry about six or seven guys breaking Maris's record or his benchmark. You know what I mean? And I don't know, like I said, I, I could spend a whole show raging about those kind of balls, but it's unfair to guys like Evaldi to have to to have to pitch like that. Any uh, thoughts before we get into the duds? Oh no, my, I didn't uh, do no, mine. I skipped I, myself. I, <laughs> I were you, did you want to say something about Evaldi or no? I thought I cut you off. Um, no, I'm good. Well, I think uh, I think you pretty much covered it there. Um, he's going to have to be careful. He doesn't have the outfield defense he had last year. Um, even though it's pretty solid, I think was it last was it the triple last night for Meadows? Was that one where you're like, ah, oh, I really thought Verdugo would have had it. Um, but yeah, I think he, he's going to be all right. If guys make good contact with anyone that throws a hundred, it's the ball's going to travel no matter what. Yeah, I mean, that's an excellent observation because Verdugo was playing shallow. I know Jackie got caught the same way. He was playing too shallow and and didn't quite make it, and the ball came off the wall. And I even saw Kiermaier do it, who's an elite defender, 
in center field. He had one he couldn't catch up to, and that one bounced off the wall. So I think these guys are, are getting really caught off guard, and it's it's screwing with them a little bit. And sarcastically, I, I when Bradley had his mishap, I tweeted out, I said, is, is Bradley slipping a little bit, you know? And, and then, of course, 20 minutes later, he makes that amazing diving play. <laughs> and after I tweeted that, so it didn't age well immediately. And, you know, I uh, admitted that I was an asshole for, uh, you know, t- tweeting that earlier. But, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. So I think, I think there's some confusion amongst the outfielders for sure at this point. And, I think uh, with the staff, just play, just play on the warning track. I, you know, I think that's probably a pretty safe place to stay. <laughs> probably. It's a lot easier to dive inwards than, you know, yeah. try to catch one over your shoulder for sure. But, yeah, so my uh, stud for the series is going to be Alex Verdugo. He had a two-run shot early in tonight's game. It put the Sox ahead 2 to nothing, and the Sox never really looked back after that. The Rays didn't even get on the board anyway, but... Um, but it was a nice jump start to tonight. It's his first home run in a Red Sox uniform. He's been okay at the plate. You, you'd kind of hope for a little bit more because he, he was a, a 300 hitter the last couple of years with, you know, abbreviated seasons due to injuries and whatnot. But, um, but, you know, some guys just catch fire right away, you know, right when they put that Red Sox uniform on and, it took us a little while to kind of see that from Verdugo, but I'm hoping that, you know, this will kind of give him that spark and you'll start to see more production, especially in the power department. And also, I was especially impressed that he did it off of a lefty starter, Yarbrough, and and, and got his first home run that way because... Um, you know, it, it, it's certainly good to we're we're we can be all left fielders in the outfield from Benny to Bradley to Verdugo on some nights. So we're going to need somebody to be able to hit lefties. So, like I said, nice to see him do it. Nice yeah. to see Verdugo. Oh, no, no, uh, basically, it's just nice to see Verdugo actually contribute and to see the power and the swing that everybody was talking about when the trade happened for Mookie. So I and obviously anybody that's watching this or listening to this can be like, oh, but he's sort of a scumbag. Yes, we understand he has a bad past. We get that, but eventually we got to start talking about the baseball part of Alex Verdugo too. And the baseball player is pretty good, and he's beginning to show glimpses of it. And you saw the power a little bit tonight. You're seeing the bat come around. So it's nice to see Verdugo actually contributing. Yeah, you know, I think was that honestly was that his first fly ball? Because I really don't recall seeing him hit anything with much authority. Obviously, he's had a longer layoff than most of these guys being uh, on the disabled list all of pretty much the second half of last year. So it was going to take him a minute to get going. Hopefully, you know, this gets him to a little bit of a groove and we get to see what actually had him uh, be ranked the number one prospect in that stacked Dodger system. And we'll see, you know, maybe some of the benefits of the uh, Mookie trade. Um, so it would definitely ease the <laughs> minds of the front office if he started putting on a little bit of a show. Absolutely. And up here on my local Portland station, they were asking the question this afternoon, 
you know, what would make you happy with the Mookie return? Like what needs to happen for you guys to say, oh, that's a good trade? And and you, honestly, Verdugo could have potentially been a dud tonight had he not stepped up. And um, Chavis as well had a, had a huge night. You know, all, all the guys you needed to step up in the last few games were, were the ones who did step up tonight. So, I mean, I think if Verdugo ends up being just a 300 hitter, you're never going to replace Mookie Betts. (laughs) You know, Mookie would have been probably the second greatest player to ever wear this uniform behind Ted Williams. And in all fairness, I mean, nobody will ever have the postseason heroics that big poppy had, but as an overall player, I think, I think Mookie probably would have been the second best. So you're just not going to replace that. And, you know, we're, you know, pretty optimistic about Jeter Downs, who today was just listed in the uh, MLB pipeline top 100 with uh, Tristan Casas. So, you know, there's some immense upside there. And I'm kind of quietly excited about Connor Wong. So I think that Mookie trade could be brilliant. You know, you look at the you know, 20 years uh, or 23 years ago now, how good the trade with Seattle was that brought back Veritek and and Derek Lowe. So, I I mean, I think this trade could be as good as that, if not better. Yeah, if you give me, you know, a stat line of 290, maybe 15 to 20 home runs, and then stellar defense or plus defense, I'm happy with it. Uh, It was probably as good as they were going to get especially with taking Price's contract as well. So uh, I'm not going to complain anymore about it. Obviously, I love bets, but it is what it is at this point. If this kid starts raking, I'll be stoked. And I don't know if anyone else was kind of like me. I was honestly expecting Nesson to show like a cutaway between innings of him climbing the fence to get that ball just of because of how excited he's been for every single like uh, souvenir that he could get his hands on for any kind of milestone he's hit. Absolutely. Verdugo Verdugo does not need to be Mookie Betts. He just needs to be serviceable. Like Andrew was saying, if you can have a little bit of an average, a little bit of a plus glove in the outfield, that's fine. And then Jeter Downs, if he turns out to be a serviceable MLB player, then you did good you did okay for the Mookie trade. There's nobody else that's gonna be Mookie Betts. So why not try to have a couple guys that can help serve in the MLB at the MLB level, whether it's now or in the future? Give me, I think he's got, what, four more years after this? So so give me four years of 2013 Shane Victorino. I would be thrilled. And I, I think I, I think he'll come close to that if he can stay healthy. Um, I'll take that all day and twice yeah. on Sunday. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so some honorable mentions in this series. Uh, J.D. Martinez kind of came alive. He was three for nine. All three hits were doubles, so that's good to see. You know, it kind of shows us that maybe he's finally on the verge of that first home run. Vasquez was his typical stout self, two for eight with an RBI. Um, Peraza was two for seven. I, I guess we'll take that at the bottom of the order. Bogarts, two for eight, a couple of runs scored. So starting to really drive the ball as well. So that was uh, nice to see. And I guess the the biggest surprise here, Michael Chavis was three for four tonight with a home run and two RBI. And the hilarious thing about that was 
they brought down Bobby Dahlbeck yesterday on the taxi squad. So nothing to get motivated more than having that happen, I would say. Yeah, the ice horse showed up. It was nice to see. He's due. Yeah. <laughs> and if we can get it onto one of his little hot streaks, we'll, we'll be good. Yeah, and I should say, though, last night he did kind of – he kind of – pelted a couple of grounders at shortstop so i mean that's not great but it it might mean that at least he's sort of finding it you know by making contact and you know not completely lost at the plate so hopefully he starts to pick it up because i have no idea what this guy's ceiling is and i I would just love to see a little bit more production out of first base because you know moreland's not going to hold up forever he hit a dinger as well i probably should have mentioned that Scored the lone run uh, on a solo shot last night. So, um, if I could add one more to the honorable mention, I think the bullpen oh, needs a little bit of shout out. Shout out. Only one run over seven innings. Uh, I mean, that's pretty good for what we're working with right now. Yeah, and you know, Austin Bryce is starting to, you know, kind of show some flashes of a, you know, very serviceable mid to late inning guy. He had an, an opener, I think, that was, what, in the Yankees series? Or I could, yeah. yeah. And he was slated to do two innings, but there there was an error by Peraza, and that kind of caused a couple more at-bats. His pitch count got a little high, and then he, he looked very solid tonight. And I, I have had people on Facebook and Twitter kind of mention that, you know, this guy is pretty intriguing right now. And Colton Brewer, just a very steady arm, uh, pitched, what was it, one inning tonight, but looked very good and, uh, you know, seems to be a guy we can go to. And as I said in the newsreel, we're probably going to get two more relievers back next week. So if we They're can, looking pretty good. Yeah. And no lie, Phil Valdez is turning into one of my favorite players. He's either striking guys out or just drilling them. And it's <laughs> hilarious to watch because he's and he's so much older than I thought he was. He's like 29. It blows my mind every time I watch him. I think he's going to get rocked, but then he has a cleaning other than like drilling a guy in the elbow. But it, it's a blast to watch. I think he had, uh, you know, a little bit of command issues, too. I mean, he was some of the balls, you know, were balls and and. Um, he was coming off of a, an impressive outing. So I, I think if, you know, he could get a little more refined and put into, you know, some low leverage situations to just kind of get a closer look, he could absolutely be a guy. I mean, this is what his second year in the majors, I think. He was with Texas last year, had an upper threes ERA. So, um, you know, that's... You never know, and and maybe maybe we're starting to see some of that high and bloom magic right now in the bullpen. Yeah, hey, as long as they can ride him and then cut ties before he turns back into a pumpkin, I'm cool with it. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, hopefully. <laughs> uh, okay, so getting into the duds uh, segment now, uh, Al. Who who was your dud for the series? I think this is a dud that we all would agree on if we could come to a consensus, but unfortunately, again, has to be Andrew Benintendi. I mean, you're two for 29. That's a .069 average. That is not nice at all. And it's just a case where 
you know, until he starts proving something. Yeah, I know we talked off air, and he had some walks against the Yankees. That's great, but walks don't, you know, they don't help your average out. They help your OBP out, but they don't help your average. So Benintendi just still can't seem to figure it out, and it's becoming really frustrating. So, Andrew? Yeah, I mean, the Benintendi one was so obvious. I, there's really, I think he's he's absolutely the consensus. It's been just terrible. Every at-bat seems to end up with him being on one knee, swinging at a ball in the dirt. <laughs> there's just nothing good to say about him right now. There's no sign of progress. It's not like, you know, he might have went over for 4, but 3 of the 4, he like hit on a line, but the ship screwed him. It's just not promising at this point, and if it continues like this throughout the year, you gotta wonder if they gotta start thinking about: Do we need to do a player for player? This this guy needs a change of scenery trade. I don't even know if you can trade him because his value is going to be that low. Right. It's going to be literally rock bottom, and you're not going to get nearly what you would have got a, a year ago at this point. Well, one thought that came to mind uh, earlier today, I'm thinking, what if he does go on an absolute tear? Do they try to capitalize on that? Because you have, what, three solid weeks before the deadline? Do you just try to offload him if he catches fire? I think Bloom could potentially think like that, but I don't think Henry and Warner and the rest of the Fenway group would allow it. I think they're already worried about, you know, they traded Mookie. They got rid of Holt. If they got rid of Benintendi, like, the Pink Cats would just stop watching Nesson. Well, not only that, too, JBJ is in a contract year. So JBJ might be gone after the season. So if you traded Benintendi and you lost JBJ, like, <laughs> yeah. that's that's just, that's two more, that's two spots you got to fill. Yeah, Keep Benintendi and just, you know, work with him and everything because you're probably going to lose Jackie Bradley Jr. I hate to say it. <laughs> you don't hate to say that. Um, Actually, no, yeah, you're right. I am happy. <laughs> I mean, he he was 0 for 20 until last night and finally uh, got a hit. But um, I think you guys are probably right. You make some good points. From an optics standpoint, it wouldn't look good trading a guy like Benny, who is popular. And I'm a Benny guy, but I'm also a realist. And if he gets traded, he gets traded. So, I mean, it's not going to, you know, I wouldn't be too hurt, but I am rooting for the guy. And it's just concerning because after the All-Star break in 2019, he had like two home runs and has none so far this year. So, I mean, at first he forgets how to hit home runs and now he forgets how to hit. So there's, there's a mental block in there that, you you hate to see in Boston because this this isn't the town. I feel like people are aren't getting too savage with Benintendi at the moment, but they will eventually. And I just hope he figures it out. Renicky said earlier that uh, Tim Hires and the assistant uh, hitting coach were were working on him, and everybody he said feels that he's close. So. I hope to see it. And I don't remember if it was in the last show where it got said or someone just said it to me privately, but they need to get him out of the one hole and permanently into the eight or nine hole and just leave him there. Just don't keep moving him around. That's going to mess with his head even more. Just put him in a spot where where he can, 
you know, just focus on getting more consistent. And if you have them in the nine hole anyway, it's almost like having a second leadoff hitter once the order goes through. So that could that could be very dangerous, you know, for opponents, especially if he's walking, you know, and then Pilar or Verdugo or whoever's leading off can, you know, move him to second or whatever. But I don't know. It's definitely frustrating to watch. It's it's sad to watch at times, and and he's way more talented than this. I mean, we saw it right out of the gates. 15 months after he got drafted was was a power hitter at that time, but just can't seem to find it. Nope. Nope. Uh, Andrew, go ahead. Who is your uh, dud for the series? So this one was a little tough. Um, there was no one that really stood out to me, no one that blew the game. Uh, you know, that's kind of why I waited to give you one tonight, just in case, you know, someone came in and let up seven runs. But I went with Pilar. He went, I think, one for seven. Um, just just average. Really didn't do much. Uh, that was the only real reason that I gave it to him. He just didn't, didn't provide any spark or really anything. So he was just in the lineup pretty much as an automatic out this last couple of games. So, yeah, unfortunately, that was him. All right. Yeah, I mean, it, normally I don't think Pilar is going to be a dud very often this season. But when you have a one for seven series, like Andrew just said, I mean, yeah, it, it just it wasn't the Pilar that we saw in the first couple series. So, unfortunately, he has to get the dud call this week. Yeah, and like I said, all the duds we thought we were going to have were the ones who stepped up tonight. So, awkwardly, you know, it's just there's just not many to choose from. I went with Jonathan Arauz, who is that's like the least easy flowing last name I think I've ever said. Um, he was was he a Rule Five guy, Andrew? He was, yeah, yeah. So we got him from Houston, and and. He's only had nine at-bats, but the thing that irritates me actually has nothing to do with him. It's the fact that we gave away – well, we didn't give him away, but we chose not to sign Brock Holt, who you could have had for cheap money, who can play anywhere. And also, I kind of like Marco Hernandez. I know his numbers slipped a little bit uh, last season before he was DFA'd, but – He's also a guy who can play around the the diamond as well and had a couple of clutch moments late off the bench last year. And I just think they they should have gone that route. And and Hernandez is a part of the player pool down in Pawtucket, so they could potentially bring him up at some point. But I haven't seen anything out of Arauz. And tonight it was a little disappointing because when Yarbrough came out, Arauz was the next at-bat, and it was against a righty. And it's too bad Renicky just wasn't aggressive and just brought Moreland into the game. You know, because there was, I think, runners on first and second or something at the time. Yeah, or just bunt them. Yeah. Move or, them, move them. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that would have uh, that would have been good. I, uh, I noticed Devers tried it uh, last night when the shift was on. He only tried it for the first pitch of the at-bat, but um, 
would have been nice to see him pull it off because everybody would love to see more bunts against the shift, and it didn't happen. Hey, another thing, kind of while we're on duds, did you guys see his at-bat last night where I don't even remember if he got a hit or, or didn't. He was one for seven, so I'm assuming that wasn't where he got his hit, but he was just he's kind of goofy when he's in the box, and he's always been that way with his facial expressions, but I just thought he was extra goofy last night, and he was kind of marching in and out of the box, making his faces. And then he had like a, a foul tip and he reaches down, grabs the ball, pretends to examine it, and then he spikes it down. And I'm like, I just found it annoying where we're completely flat last night and, you know, he's kind of acting that way. And it just kind of, it just kind of looks like he's not locked in. Like, did you yeah, guys... actually, I. I touched on that a little bit last pod where I was like, his body language is kind of weird to me this year. Just like what he's doing when he's like in and out, just huffing and puffing. I mean, I don't really have a problem with it. Uh, I think he's just a little frustrated with himself, but yeah, he's been a little weird to me. Kind of like Beltre-esque, but just a little more. Yeah, I just, it was, yeah. It might be nothing to really fuss about beyond this, but... I don't know. I was in a pissy yeah. mood once we lost the lead last night anyway. I mean, it could just be him trying to have fun when all of us are trying to find something fun about this team when they're, you know, four and eight and struggling and getting swept by the Yankees and, you know, barely, I shouldn't say barely beating the Rays, but, you know, uh, having to settle for a split and be happy with it with the Rays. So I don't know. That That's just one thought. I, that's a team that's going to give us hell, I feel like. I just don't look forward to to playing them. I, I honestly thought tonight Yarbrough was going to shut us down similar to how we were last night. And it seems like when they bring their bullpen in, they've got a lot of really good arms and, and we don't tend to score runs late off of them. And it's just, it's a frustrating team. But to their credit, it's it's a very solid team. Oh, yeah, extremely. Yeah, I thought they left him in just a little bit long today. Uh, I think Eck pointed it out, too, because I didn't realize he was still in the game when he let up that home run. I was like, oh, wow, I would have thought they would have pulled him before this. But, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So the Yankees ended up winning the uh, second of their doubleheader uh, in the seventh Mm -hmm. inning. And, yeah, the Marlins game is official, so they are first place right now in in the NL East. Um, do we know why Scherzer came out of the game yet? He is fine. Um, okay. It was like a calf issue or something. Okay. Yeah, he or was it a hamstring? It was something. It was a leg injury, and he said he's gonna be fine. So, yeah, he seems to be the one guy this year that's uh, dodged major injury after leaving the game. Yeah, I mean, I was concerned about these older guys because Verlander is still going to be out for at least another week, and I suspect it'll be longer than that. I haven't seen an update, though, in the last few days. Uh, And then Kluber probably out for the season with a shoulder issue. And I just wondered how long these, you know, how affected these older guys would be with such a long layoff. And you're, you're kind of starting to see it a little bit, but... That is encouraging with Scherzer. He does have like a 2.84 ERA on the season. So, I I mean, in a short sample size, he's pitching very well. Yeah, and then you know he's not going to miss a lot of time. He's Even if he's 
fifty percent, he's going to demand the ball. So he's going to continue. I I have no no worries about him in the long run. He's Max Scherzer. What else would you expect? He's a psycho. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, he should have been signed to the Red Sox about five years ago, but we wanted Wade Miley and Justin Masterson, so that's frustrating. This um, season's already depressing enough, Terry. Let's not go back to 2015 and have to talk about that team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a really depressing season. And then Farrell got cancer, so we couldn't fire him, and uh, it was just definitely maddening. But all right, so just a random question. I threw it out on Twitter today, and uh, I probably ought to pull that tweet up. Um, we're going to be in the market for a starting pitcher next year. You know, I think regardless of what J.D. Martinez does, all we have to do is get beyond September 1st, which I'm cautiously optimistic about. Um and then the penalties reset so, you know, we can basically do whatever we want or, you know, still make some, you know, some careful decisions to kind of keep us just below the threshold. And two guys that are on the market will be Trevor Bauer, who apparently only wants to sign one-year deal. So I think that would make him very signable, you know, for the Red Sox if they you know, want to bring him in for a year. Another guy that could potentially be viable, but the Cubs are actually really stout right now uh, with David Ross managing them. I think they were eight and two coming into today, but John Lester is a free agent. He's also on record in the off season saying that he would like to finish his career in Boston. He said, he said it would be really cool to do that. So do you guys have a preference out of those two, or might there be a you know a third player I didn't mention? For me, it wouldn't even be close, and it would be Bauer. Um, Lester's gonna be thirty-seven, and he does have a pretty large team option of twenty-five million next year. Uh, but who knows if he shows up this year? Maybe the Cubs go ahead and exercise that. But I, I really, I don't know if Lester would even. I think he his comments about wanting to come back were more for the city, you know, give the fans something because, you know, he's always been beloved here. I don't know if he'd actually come back to the juggernaut that is the AL East in a normal year. At, you know, his stuff, he's had a really good year so far, but it obviously isn't what it used to be. And another another year older, the guy's made over $190 million career earning-wise. I don't know if he wants to get shelled uh, just to, for sentimental value, you know? Al, what, yeah. what would your preference be? I I got to agree with Andrew. I got to go with Bauer. First of all, the age. I mean, you're talking going into your age 30 season against going into your age 37 season. I think that's a no-brainer, especially with this Red Sox team. And – would John Lester, like Andrew said, would John Lester want to come back to a very competitive AL East, especially when the Red Sox right now are at the bottom of the barrel? Probably not. And another another name that nobody talks about, and this is just to the option of is there somebody else, you don't have to necessarily sign this guy, but if I'm the Red Sox, I'm kicking the tires on Marcus Stroman because he's pitched in the American League East before. He's proven he can pitch well in the American League East. So why not try to bring him on? And he's a righty. So if you bring back Chris Sale, who's supposed to be 100% next year, hopefully by the All-Star break, Erod, if he can hopefully be back, then you have Eovaldi, Bauer, 
and Strowman, if you were to pull those moves off, that right there gives you a very good shot at competing in the American League East. Strowman would instantly be my new David Price, but um, I just don't like the guy. But what were you going to say, Andrew? Uh, uh, I mean, I'm all on board for it. I just, the one thing that kind of concerns me right now, I don't know if they changed anything uh, for this weird year, if they're going to let guys get signed to qualifying offers. So I I think we're, I don't know what we're going to be looking at for uh, high and bloom shopping sprees because I'm not too sure if he's going to want to give up high draft picks. That's my one concern um, about kind of rebuilding quickly going, uh, going into next year. Well, I mean, I think the, I don't know if Boston fans are going to tolerate another year of misery with Erod's the ace, you know, and I think you're playing with fire with that because last year was the the only year he was able to exceed 137 innings and I, I think he ended up around 180 or so but I just think they you know it, they should bring someone in I, I get the qualifying offer thing and maybe that could be somewhat of a hindrance but um but we'll see I, I just feel like in Lester's case, if the Cubs aren't willing to pick up their option, his option, they're they're not gonna. I just think it would be bad optics for them to give him a qualifying offer, which is going to be much less. And well, yeah, it's either you got to give him the twenty five, or he's got a ten million dollar buyout. And if I mean, I bet I'm willing to bet if they bought him out for that ten million, he probably wouldn't uh, take too much to play for the Sox uh, next year. Yeah. You know, we got that 10 million in the bank. So, and actually, so uh, my pick would be Lester, to be honest with you. I get that he's 37. He's looked pretty good in 11 innings so far. Um, he's got a 0.82 ERA. Let's see. He gave up, he gave up one run in his last start. He had a no-hitter going through five innings in his first start, and they had to pull him because he just wasn't stretched out enough to go deeper. But the the thing I like about Lester, even though he's 37, he's had, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve years in a row of 30 starts or more. So I just, he's been healthy for some reason. You know, maybe you can attribute that to good mechanics. We are seeing guys right now pitch into their late 30s very well. You know, Verlander until this season. Uh, he he had a very deep, you know, postseason last year um, and held up okay. He did kind of get knocked around in a couple of starts, but still was a big part of that Game 7 World Series run. And you have another guy that pitched in the AL East, uh, Andy Pettit, you know, pitched till he was 40, 41 years old. That's a guy I'm willing to take a chance on, especially if I know Bauer is only going to sign for one year anyway, because he has proved he can pitch in the postseason. We've seen him do it. We've seen him do it in a Red Sox uniform. And I just feel like if Sale comes back, you got him and Lester possibly setting up for a postseason run. 
I would love that. I really would. And Bauer hasn't really looked great in the postseason. One of his better starts was against us in that game one ALDS start in Cleveland. And that was a drunk, right? Right before, I think. And then after that, <laughs> he uh, sliced himself on the drone. Um, yeah, and there's also off-the-field stuff that could be concerning. I do love Trevor Bauer, so if you guys end up being right about this, I'm not going to complain. I, I will be happy to have Trevor Bauer. Um, I'm really entertained by the guy. He does stay healthy, so I'm just, but I'm not sure if the the outspokenness and stuff is, is something that maybe High and Bloom might be a little worried about in, in a town like this, and and maybe Red Sox ownership, but. I have to go with Lester. I have to go with what I know has worked in the past. And I think, uh, you know, unfortunately, you probably got to give him a two- or three-year deal, you know, if if that's what the market calls for because we already kind of lowballed him once. I don't think, I don't think we're going to want to do that again. So that's definitely my pick. But any more thoughts on that? I don't I, – I can't – if they had to give more than one year to Lester, I would totally be out, honestly, unless it was for like $3 million. I just can't imagine paying a 40-year-old John Lester anything more than that. Agreed. Okay, just one other scenario to throw with you guys. It, it looks like the Cubs are going to be a playoff team. I don't know if they're going to yeah. still win the – the NL Central at this point, but they're they're looking pretty good, and they're they're almost certainly going to be, you know, with eight teams on each side getting in, probably going to be one of them. What if he's just an absolute beast in the postseason again? He probably pick up his option. Well, that but could happen too. They yeah. are actually kind of in funny hell right now because they are going to have to pay like Rizzo and Bryant. And I don't know if they've paid Javi yet, so I don't know. Maybe he's going to fall victim to the chopping block because of that, but I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this season I think could could be a factor in, in what happens. We shall see. How are the Reds looking right now? They were sub-500 because that's where Bauer is. That team's just underperforming. I, I seriously had them winning the uh, Central this year, but they just haven't quite gotten there. Let's see. They played Cleveland. They lost to Cleveland today. So, yeah, the Reds aren't yep. looking in good shape. The Cubs are beating the Royals right now. So they're going to – their record's right up there with the Yankees, you know, with one of the best in the league. So, yeah, it was uh, it was an interesting uh, Twitter question to have, and it got a lot of engagements. It seemed to be 50-50, but you have to kind of factor in a little bit of homerism because roughly, you know, 70% of my following is, is Red Sox. But, yeah, it got, it got 40 responses, but definitely uh, a lot of Bauer, actually. Much of the top uh, responses are Bauer, but... Yeah, so two guys that, um, you know, we'll all be keeping an eye on. And another thing, too, is if Lester is available, maybe that's maybe that's a window for Bloom to kind of, 
you know, win over the fan base after trading Mookie. Like, that's another thing that I, I think could be a factor. Maybe, but it's still just signing a 37-year-old pitcher to more than a one-year deal. It just it wouldn't look right, and it would be a lot of head-scratching, even if it is John Lester. Ugh, I would still do it, but that's fine. That's fine. Maybe Bloom will uh, bring your favorite guy, Chris Archer, in on a one-year make-right uh, make deal. Don't do that to me. <laughs> yeah, and de- de- definitely don't ugh, don't bring me in Stroman either. He's going to probably command a, a multi-year deal, so ugh, that would be so painful. He's another guy, though, that just hasn't proven it. And, I mean, he's he could have the David Price effect with Boston fans. He's going to be very polarizing. You know, half the fan base will, you know, be Stroman huggers, and then the other half is going to roast him every time he, you know, makes some kind of rem- a remark, uh, you know, whether it's post-game or on Twitter or, or what have you. I just, oh, that could, that could blow up really badly. That makes it all the more fun. <laughs> <laughs> Your pals over on the uh, Small States podcast would probably love that one. I could see Ollie just, you know, being in heaven with that signing. Oh, boy. Do, hey, don't you don't you should talk my boy Ollie like that. <laughs> I got his back. Steve's my boy on that podcast. Nah, Steve's – they're all good dudes. I, I love those guys. They're good. They're good. Ki- they're good guys. Josh good unfollowed cats. me. I had like a – really scorching tweet and uh i think that was the final straw for him i don't remember what it was but yeah well i mean you're also you're also twitter fighting with jared carabas too so that doesn't surprise me at all i didn't i just responded to this other guy's thread today and carabas got all (laughs) butthurt about it you know (laughs) carabas the 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 one dude i he was one of the responses for the lester bauer you know tweet that i had and and he kind of quoted it and so he had his own comments above it, and he said, "I wonder what Jared Carabas's thoughts on this would be." And I was like, "Well, God. I was like, they don't typically think that far ahead on that podcast." <laughs> and then I I saw that, and I was just like, "Oh God, what? Why did Terry have to say that? <laughs> why? Yeah, why? I I understood. I got it. But at the same time, I could also understand." Why other people might think, oh, God, he's just taking a dig at, at the Section 10 podcast, which, I mean, listen, you can have multiple Red Sox podcasts. It happens. Oh, you know, yeah. There's multiple podcasts for everything. I didn't even respond to Carabas. I just let him have the last word on it. and uh, and uh, But I did retweet it, though. I wanted everyone to see. Um, but, yeah. Anyway, so um, I, I try not to take too many digs at him. I mean, obviously, I don't. I don't think it would be great for business, but I do think you know we kind of we dig. We go much further below the surface, and uh, you know we offer that. And you know, at least I'm not gonna come on here and be a homer, and you know whatever. So, um, so I don't know. I, I think we're distinctly different, anyway. But uh, getting into the weekend series here. So we got an off day tomorrow, which is kind of weird. But we're one of the teams who hasn't been hit with COVID. I don't think we've even had a positive COVID test since the players showed up. All the positives were either at the intake or, um, you know, before spring training 2.0 got underway. So 
we've been fortunate in that we've played all our games and all of our games have been against teams that haven't had an outbreak. So um, three games set with the Blue Jays starting on Friday. We've got Ryan Weber versus TBD. Actually, the whole Blue Jays thing is TBD. Do you guys have any of their pitchers or no? I didn't. Um, I haven't seen any tweets yet uh, if they've made an announcement on that either. Okay. Well, I, I think Ryu started today, so we won't be seeing him. So there might be some, you know, Tanner Roark in there. I'm not sure. Let's see. Oh, and yeah, so we won't have Avaldi or Perez uh, in this series anyway. So, uh, you know, Ryan Weber is going on Friday against To Be Determined. Um, any thoughts on Weber? I think he's going to have a real good start. I don't know what it is, but something tells me he's just going to come out and actually throw really well. Yeah, if he gets through the first inning, um, I'll have a lot more faith. Uh, that's just what they need to do. They just got to take an inning by inning right now with these guys. Yeah, I just, I don't think he should be in there more than the second time through though. And ideally it, it would probably be one time through if we had the depth to do it, but I just felt like he got left in a little bit too long last time and, and the game just got a little bit out of reach. So, it's tough to tell what what we're going to get out of him. And, you know, he's not going to be – I don't think he's going to be effective against the Yankees at all. And yeah. maybe not Tampa. It was probably lucky that we got through this series without having to start him. So Al could be right. The Jays can wait too, so <laughs> that's going to be no easy task. Yeah, I feel like they're kind of an all-or-nothing team. You know, so I I haven't looked too close to their stats. Admittedly, they are four and five on the year, but um, but I just feel like I I think Al's right though. This this could be a a good start for him. So I mean, we'll we'll just kind of see on that. Uh, Zach Godley goes game two. I kind of feel a little bit better about this start for him because we kind of threw him into the shark tank against the Yankees. So I think he does kind of have the stuff that could keep this Toronto team off balance to keep us, you know, somewhat competitive. Well, they're going to need some extended innings out of these guys. Cause just now they just optioned Matt Hall and uh, Chris Mazza down to Pawtucket to get the roster down to 28. So. Damn it, Andrew. I was just about to break that news. <laughs> so, yeah, with with losing to these, you know, like uh, game out, games out of hand kind of guys, they can't afford to, you know, waste good bullets with Barnes and Workman. So we'll need, we'll need a few innings out of these guys. I'm pretty bummed about Mazza going down because – Yeah, he was good against the Yankees. I'm not too sure why they uh, – why they decided him. Yeah, I wonder if maybe he could still be called up by Sunday because that, that game's going to definitely be an opener. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if it was kind of a day-to-day kind of transaction thing where these guys are just going to be kind of on a yo-yo going back and forth here. 
Matt Hall definitely needed to go, though. Yes. <laughs> Dude was... The Hall pass has been revoked. Yeah. I, I, liked, I liked Andrew's nickname, though, Matt Hall of Fame. <laughs> that yeah, was... that last, like, two pitches, unfortunately. That was very premature. Yeah. <laughs> that was a great name if it, you know, if he worked out, but... Yeah, I was just trying to see who the last uh, starters for Toronto were to try to get an idea of who might be in there. But um, So I guess it's good that Godley's going game two because I, I kind of feel like he could go a little bit deeper into the game than Weber, so that would give us a little bit more you know, depth in the bullpen. They won't be quite as taxed. But, um, you know, it's going to be a tough he's gotta, series. He's got to go five, right? He like does Anything less than five is going to be pretty disappointing, I think. Absolutely, yeah. It's in Fenway as well. So, um, you know, that should play well for at least their lefties, you know, not having quite uh, – you know, with Toronto, the balls, you know, can – being indoors can – you know, jump off the bat a little bit better. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, so w- what are you guys' expectations here? Do you think we're going to kind of keep the same rhythm and be one out of three, or do you think this could be the first potential series that we take for the season? It should be the first series that you take, but with the way this Red Sox team is going, I'm saying they lose two out of three. Yeah, you know, I'm feeling the exact same way, uh, especially if – Toronto throw some good pitching out there. Uh, you know, if we wake up tomorrow and you get, what was it, Nate Peterson or Pearson, rather, and, you know, he, they shot it. He, he showed some really good stuff when they had that scrimmage. So the way the bats are going right now, I don't see them kind of covering what they might need to do against the top of that Toronto lineup. Yeah, and, I mean, it gets really tough after that. I mean, we got four games against tampa at home and then we go to the bronx for four games uh, and then the phillies for two who who are starting to look okay i mean they look good with uh, zach wheeler today and i don't know i think it was nola that pitched game two and it was a one one game into the seventh and with the double headers now i mean he almost pitched a, a complete game but yeah so it doesn't start to get easy until August 20th when we get, you know, Baltimore and Toronto again and um, the Nationals at the end of the month. Yeah, this is kind of a make-or-break time for him because if you fall too far back, it's pretty much over, and you kind of have to make a decision at that point with the trade deadline coming up. So if they don't get through this week clean, uh, I think we're going to start seeing some pieces moving. Yeah, that's what I was starting to talk about in the pre-show. I mean, (laughs) right now we're kind of game to game, just trying to find a way to win. And, 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 you know, the Toronto series, it it could set a different tone to where, you know, we're what? I don't even know today's date. Today's the fifth. So, yeah, we'll still be 20 days out from the deadline. But maybe Bloom might want to get an early jump on trying to move some of these guys. So, you know, the focus could turn to that, but maybe we'll start to see, 
you know, some of the Dahlbecks come up and, and whatnot. And do you guys think we're going to we're going to see maybe Hauk and, and Groom? I can't imagine they're going to want to start the clocks on these guys this year. But you know. I know oh, I think they absolutely will. Really? Um, I think they're most definitely going to start throwing them in late August or September if this team's out of it. Might as well. I mean, what do you have to lose at this point? And I don't think the – I think they passed the point where they it would be a, a, a crude year anyways. I think it was a few days ago where that kicked in. Yeah, it was. So we are past that point now. But you would gain, I think, an extra year or maybe even two years if you held them out until like April 20th next season, assuming it's a normal season. But – I don't know. I I mean, I don't think Bloom was ever worried about that when he was in Tampa. I think they called up called him up as soon as they thought they were viable. So, um, so we'll see if that mindset, you know, co- follows him up here. But anyway, so we're right at the hour mark. Any uh, any final thoughts on the series or um, or anything? Nice to see your- a win. It's nice to see you win. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the best way to put it. (laughs) We ended the Mets series on a good note by coming back to take the last two out of the four of them. And Rick Porcello pitched a a very good start tonight. Seven innings, I think nine strikeouts got the win. (laughs) So I I thought they were going to get blasted. But the Mets are on their normal trajectory, I I feel like, where they're going to kind of slide downward like they always do. So at least we're uh yeah. at least we're good you know for the most part we have that one year on every four or five where we finish you know towards the bottom but but and we haven't had any guys just disappear completely from their hotel rooms and end up back in the dominican republic so that, that's always a win yeah <laughs> yeah for this my god i don't even remember what his number was when he was here for two months but um, thank goodness we got out of that one because I've never seen a player so self-absorbed. And once he got his money, he he robbed the Mets basically. Of I think it ended up being one hundred and twenty-five, hundred and fifty million when all was said and done. You know, because he had that great postseason in in twenty. Well, I don't know if it was the postseason, but after the July thirty-first trade uh, from the Tigers, he. Um, you know, went on a nice run with the Mets and got them into the playoffs and, and whatnot. And then Dombrowski got fired maybe, what, five days after that trade, if even that. <laughs> hired. Yeah. yeah. Suspendus has just been such an enigma his entire career. It's like, is this guy a superstar? Oh, no, he's terrible. Wait, actually, is he really good? Uh, wait, what happened he got mauled by a boar. There's just no rhyme or reason to any of his career. Yeah. He's an idiot. Puig, you know, comes from Cuba as well and has kind of been a mixed bag. And I'm a little surprised he's still out there. But, you know, so I, I don't know. Who, who's the best player to come out of Cuba that's a position player? Probably Abreu, right? Yeah, uh, I was so bummed that the Red Sox cheaped out by what was it, like five million dollars. They missed him. Yeah, something like that. Oh, that was killer. Yeah, he would have been great at at Fenway, and and then we got 
we tried to capitalize on signing Rusney and that didn't work out. And I was just thinking today before some of these guys woke up, I'm like, geez, if they called up Rusney, he might be our best outfielder right away. You know, if he has a good game and, and uh, you know, they stepped up, but he'll be a free agent next year. So it'll be interesting to see where he lands. But, but anyway, he's getting and back. He's going to be what? He's either going to be playing in Japan or he's just going to go back home with his, like, $49 million. Uh, He'll go to the Diamondbacks or someplace and, you know, be the next Cattell Marte or something. I don't know. I, I think somebody will kick the tires on him one way or the other. But, but all right, guys, we'll wrap. Good show. And, uh, and uh, I guess I'll have the other two on Sunday to see what became of this Toronto series. Should be a good one. Yes, it should. All right. Have a good night, guys. Take care, guys. Hey, guys. Episode 204 in the books. Red Sox wrap it up on a good note. Chavis steps up. Verdugo shines through. Perez is giving us about as good as we could have hoped. So um, hopefully that continues uh, through Toronto with, with some of, you know, the – the Webbers and the Godleys of the Red Sox rotation and into the Yankees series. So have a good uh, rest of your week, and we'll be back with you Sunday night. Take care.